here tonight. I want to maybe uh, lean towards uh, looking at kind of a mini-series here on dealing with internal and personal battles. And so, again, this is going to uh, kind of deviate from uh, going through some books of the Bible, but hopefully, again, being a helpful series on dealing with some internal battles and personal battles. We all have battles that we deal with, and uh, certainly, uh, again, we can address some of those battles. And so we're going to consider here tonight uh, one of those battles we uh, deal with, maybe on a weekly basis, certainly at, at, at different times in our lives. But uh, we'll look at here tonight how to deal with perceived failure. When people think you've failed, and every one of us deals with that. And so I'm going to look at that here tonight. So we're going to begin here in Mark chapter 7, verse number 1. The Bible says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when he saw some of the disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands off and oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they had come from the market, except they washed, they eat not, and many other things there be, which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, that's Jesus, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? And he answered and said unto them, What hath Isaiah prophesied of ye hypocrites, as it is written, the people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I'll be in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. And laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that may, ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curses father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father and mother, It is korban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother making the word of God of none effect through your traditions, which ye have delivered, and many such things uh, do ye. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entering in can defile him, but the things that come out of him, those are that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he entered into the uh, the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable, and he said unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and it goeth out in the draught, purging all meats? And he said that which cometh out of a man, that is that defileth the man. I want to consider here some thoughts on how to deal with perceived failure. 
It's something we do deal with, I'm sure, from time to time. Let's go ahead and pray as we consider this thought here tonight. Father, thank you, Lord, again, for this battle sometimes we have that takes place in our minds, takes place in our hearts, Father, where we feel like maybe uh, we failed or someone has come along and say, said something along the lines, you're not doing something right or you're not um, uh, doing things the right way or whatever it might be. I pray that you'd help us again to see how we should uh, deal with such matters. And Father, help us again to have the mind of Christ in these things. Father, help us again by your grace uh, to be able to put away, again, thoughts of, uh, again, maybe uh, failing and that sort of things that might uh, compile in our mind from time to time. And help us to honor you by seeking to be uh, the Christians you'd want us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name, for sake. Amen. Amen. You know, if, if you've been around any length of time, there's probably been someone that's told you in so many words you failed. It doesn't matter who it is. It might be a teacher. It might be a friend. It might be a parent. It might be, a, you know, it might be someone you really don't even know to some degree. And they say, you know what? You failed. You've missed the mark. You've not met the mark in this matter. And you might say, you know, I take in consideration who says that. And it's probably wise to take in consideration who says that. But uh, what should we understand about failure and success? Well, I I can, again, discuss this really fully, maybe in one message. But I do want to consider here tonight this case here of perceived failure. You know, in this text here in, in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 7, You see some people point out what seems to be a fault in Jesus' disciples. Like they failed. They're not doing something right. They're they're doing something wrong. They're doing something contrary to what is to be done. And uh, you find in in this matter here, in verse number uh, 2, it it centers around the wash him hands. And uh, it says, and when when he saw some of his disciples, it says there, when they say some of the disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. They found fault. And, and again, someone says, when I'm talking about perceived, again, failure, sometimes uh, we perceive failure because someone defines our life by failure or fault. They say, you've done something wrong, or you, you've not been what you're supposed to be. You failed as whatever it might be. You failed as a student. You failed as a worker. You failed as a pastor, you failed as a parent, you failed whatever it might be. And we can get beaten down somewhat by people finding fault in us. We live in a world that defines success and failure all the time. They try to define it before us, and they try to set it before us, and they try to say to us, this is success, this is fail, this is, again, where we should be, or this is how things should be done. But as we consider some thoughts on perceived failure here tonight, We need to understand that we all deal with different times where someone will tell us, you know, you failed. You failed. The project didn't get finished on time. You failed. The project didn't get finished like I wanted. You failed. The art isn't as nice as it should be. You failed. You know, whatever it might be, you might be in a relationship with someone and it seems to get uh, more distance and someone says, well, that's because you did this and and you're a failure here. But again, I want to say here tonight, and this is probably the most uh, important point of the message here tonight, is be careful not to uh, fall trapped into what is called perceived failure. In other words, someone defines failure in their terms, and they try to push it off on you. 
That's exactly what happens in this text here. We find again here in the Bible that the scribes and the Pharisees, they had something that they did. They always washed their hands and they say, why aren't you guys doing this? This is wrong. This is so wrong. Why aren't you holding the traditions of the elders? Verse number three there. Why don't your disciples hold to these things? The Bible says there in verse number five, they, con- they confront Christ on this. They said, then the Pharisees and the scribes stand up to, why walk you not in the, thy, thy disciples according to the traditions of the elders, but they eat bread with unwashed hands? Why do you let this go by? You're the leader here. Why do you like your, you allow the disciples to, to not wash their hands? And what this is, is just basically someone defining a failure where there isn't a failure. So Jesus answers, he doesn't say, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. I, I need to get them straightened out on this. I need to um, get them doing according to the traditions of the elders. No, he actually gives them where they have failed in their following of the Bible. In verse 6, he says, And he answered and said unto them, Well, has Isaiah prophesied of the hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, and laying aside the commandments of God. Ye hold the traditions of men as washing of pots and cups, and many other th- such things, do you? And he said unto full well you reject the command of God that you may keep your own tradition. You know what the Pharisees had set up? The same thing that you see set up all around the country in churches. A traditional religious system. A man-made system. That's all it is. Most churches are based on traditions. Man sets up some rules, sets up some regulations, and tells the people, hey, this is what you got to do. There's things to do with your hands. Look at verse number four. There's things to do with pots and, and vessels and tables and all these kind of things. And this is what you need to do. And if you're not doing this, you're at fault. You're wrong. You need to be doing it. We see here, first of all, we need to be careful not to fall in the trap of perceived failure. Jesus didn't buy into this a bit. He didn't say, you know, we'll, we'll change our ways. You know, we'll change our ways because you guys want us to do this. He doesn't change here. And so I want to say failure many times, and we really need to grasp that here, failure many times is due to a wrong perspective. My perspective is wrong. Someone's perspective is wrong. A man's perspective is wrong. I want to say this here tonight, that again, sometimes when it comes to these human standards, they become perceived standards that we push off on people and say, this is what you must do Or if you're not doing it, you're wrong. And you know what? Your leader needs to correct you. And you followers need to follow through and do these things. But the reality is, these are human standards. They're not God's standards. God's standard for success or standard for doing right did not include this washing hands. And Jesus made this quite clear here. You can read through the whole text and you can read it and you'll find clearly that the, the... The thing here is that it doesn't matter what comes in by your hands, into your mouth. It's going to go into your belly. And it's not going to go into your heart. And so he mentions this thing. And it's good for us to think uh, along these lines. Many times, failure is a matter of wrong perspective. 
It's a matter of wrong perspective. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If I have a wrong perspective or you have a wrong perspective, we can wake up some days and think, you know, I failed. I'm a failure. I'm not, I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I could be. You know, that sort of thing. And then along comes someone and they say, you know what, this is what you must be. This is what you have to do. This is what you must follow or you're at fault. Don't take the guilt trip from someone who leads you astray in what they perceive is success when really it's failure. For those disciples to be following a tradition of men, that would have been failure, not success. That would not have been right. That would have been wrong. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that's why they were following what Jesus would have them to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number that compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they that measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So the Pharisees said, well, your disciples don't do like our disciples do. I mean, the measure of what is right and what is wrong is not measured by man's standards. You know, man's standards have three measures for success. What are they? I bet you almost everybody could, could tell me what the world says success is. Three, three terms. What are the three terms the world would say success is? It's money, it's power, it's fame. Money, power, fame. The same things that really uh, the devil tried to tempt Jesus to some degree with. Money, power, fame. Lust of the flesh, fame. Maybe a little different, but fame. If you're not famous, you're nobody. If you're not powerful, you're nobody. If you don't have a lot of money, you're nobody. And I'm not saying you are, but I mean, that's what the world says. The world says you have money, power, fame, and you know what? You are a huge success. You reach the pinnacle of success. You are the epitome of success. Well, most of you are familiar with Warren Buffett, right? Very rich man, billionaire. You know, he had some words to say about success here a few years back in 2019 about success. And I'll read just a little bit of what he had to say success is. And he's not perfectly on marks on this, but I think he has some good thoughts on this. And uh, anyways, I'm not saying he's not a preacher. He's not anything like that. Don't, don't get that kind of thought. But he said this, when your life comes to an end, you will... Your only measure of success should be the number of people who want to love you and actually love you. That you, that, want, that you want to love you, that actually love you. And again, that's kind of maybe a little confusing, but I think I know what he's saying. He's like, you go through life and, and you as a person, you walk through life and you get to the end of your life and you want some people to love you. And for them to actually love you, to him that is success. And as someone says, well, that's his measure of success. It's not the Bible's measure of success. But I thought it's interesting. His, his idea was centered around love, not money. You know, a billionaire, you think he'd talk about money. He went on to say about success, I don't, I don't care if you have a big bank account. And I don't care how big it is. Your life is a disaster if people don't love you. Again, I'm not saying people have to love you. But his measure of success was based on love. It wasn't fame. It wasn't power. 
and it wasn't money, which is kind of odd, or at least it would seem that way. He go on to, dis, uh, to, to define his life, how he wanted to be loved. He said, uh, to be loved, you need to be selfless and don't expect others to do anything in return. He, he talks about being empathetic. In other words, uh, uh, seeing and trying to, 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 to see people's perspective. He said, be empathetic and people will love you. And he, he went on and, and talked about seek to enjoy your work and have some fun in and people will love you. Treat others as you want to be treated and people will love you. Follow your passion and you'll find people love you if you follow your passion. I'm not saying those things are right, but there's some semblance of rightness in some of those things that he was saying about being loved. And uh, he uh, is going to have friends but show himself friendly. And certainly I, I believe Warren Buffett would have been introduced at least to some degree to the scriptures. I don't know how much or how little, but anyways... He had some ideas about the measure of success. And so I just want to say that failure many times is not a matter of, uh, again, of actual failure, but it's a wrong perspective. Someone is saying, and they're trying to push on you, this is success, this is failure. But uh, we need to be careful about that. Let's turn to James chapter 5. Again, how can I, if I'm having struggles with thinking maybe I'm a failure, how can I maybe change my mind and maybe see myself as more of a success rather than a failure. Uh, James chapter 5 here, verse number 7 through verse number 8. Let me say this, avoid expecting instantaneous results if you're working towards some goal because sometimes when you're working towards a goal, it seems like I'm just not getting there. Nothing's really happening. I don't see what I want to see yet. Notice this passage here in, in James chapter 5, verse number 7 and 8. It says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You know, we're looking forward to the return of the Lord, and we, we have to be patient. And someone says, well, how patient you have to be with the coming of the Lord. You're going to have to wait years and years and years. There's been a lot of people waiting for the Lord to return. And so don't get caught up into instantaneous results or saying, you know, you could be a billionaire or a millionaire in a week or a month or whatever it might be if you just do these things. Let's turn to Acts chapter 10. But what should a Christian be about? A Christian should be about seeking to follow the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our pattern. He is our example. And uh, if we're going to be doing what we should be doing, we shouldn't be striving for these uh, carrots of success, so to speak, that the world's after fame and wealth and power. We should seek to be doing things that make a difference in other people's lives. And someone says, how can we do that? Well, Acts chapter 10, verse number 38, I think kind of just defines Jesus' life in some simple terms. Some things that we can just maybe seek to follow after. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, Now God appointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. What did Jesus simply do? He went about doing some good. You know, I think about my life, and if I am just setting about trying to seek to do some good on a daily basis, that's success. Well, I have days where I feel like, hey, this whole day was wasted. But if you look back at that day, I bet you were trying to do something 
that was worthwhile to do, but maybe you failed at it. You know, sometimes I'm working on a construction project or whatever it might be, and it's like uh, this last one I ran into was like, I mean, I thought I had the last window. You know, it was 12 o'clock. I think it was 12.30 during the day. Had two more windows to put in. I thought to myself, boy, I might be home at 4.30, 5 o'clock, whatever it might be, home with the family early, whatever it might be. And I thought to myself, this might go, you know, great according to plan. But I left the last window that I thought might be trouble in the kitchen. And uh, so I got done with the bedroom window right away, and I foamed that up and, and that sort of thing. And then I got to the kitchen. And lo and behold, you have to have a window that's just not going to work very well. And I thought to myself, boy, I just don't like this. I called someone else up and asked them about sawzall blades and different uh, devices to try to modify the window because it was actually way too small. It was too small for the opening. And there's a lot of ways you can take a window apart, but I didn't want to take apart that many parts. And so long story short, I used a sawzall, got the work done, it ended being a success. You know, my wife came home, did you get that window done? And I said, yeah, I did. But it was, you know, I couldn't leave it open. I had broken up the old window. So it's not like I put the, back, the old window in the spot. I had broken it up, getting it out. And I thought, you know, it seems like that, you know, the header sagging a bit there. Well, yeah, it was. And so I had to cut out like a quarter inch with a sawzall on that window. And not an easy task to do, but... It was a success, so to speak, but it could have ended up being a failure in a sense. But when I think about success and failures, sometimes we, we, we have these, these desires to have instantaneous results or big results or, or again, maybe uh, looking for results that should happen overnight or whatever it might be, and they just don't happen. We think, oh, we didn't do things right. Well, the Bible says of Jesus, he he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. You know, my measure of success needs to be, I'm just doing some good. I'm going to do some good today. I'm going to plan on some good tomorrow. Plan on some good next week. And I'll leave the results to God. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. You know, if we can have long patience for an event like the coming of the Lord, we should have long patience to see fruit produced. And sometimes fruit takes time to be produced. And again, sometimes we're not going to see the, the fruit that follows. Maybe our sowing or, uh, again, our reaping might come in somebody else's lifetime. We don't know. But uh, Galatians 6, verse number 9 says this. It says, And let us not be weary in well-doing. Keep doing those good things. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We're going to reap if we just continue to keep on that pattern. Keep trying to sow and do that which is good by God and that which is good by the Scriptures. And so... Again, avoid the expectations maybe of the world out there and the institutions out there that might say, uh, you're not a success. You're not doing it right. Avoid persons that per push uh, these perceived expectations upon you that could lead you to discouragement or to thinking you're a failure. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. You know, be careful not to, uh, again, uh, look at what the world says and and uh, go by their measurements. I, I mean, if you want to go by their measurements, uh, again, you just decide you're going to follow the world's measurements. I don't plan on trying to be famous. I don't try to be, trying to be a person of wealth. And I don't, again, think I'll be that influential to some degree in life. But yet I can, I can do the will of God. I can try to do some good in this world. And by doing those things, I can be a success. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. I want to point out in the Bible that, again, in order to be a success, there needs to be this element of trusting God in your life or having faith in God. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe he is, and he's rewarded them that diligently seek him. And so to, to be a success to some degree, we need to have some faith in God. And it gives us examples of this kind of faith throughout the chapter. Abel's faith, Enoch's faith, Abraham's faith, and, and Sarah's faith. And all these people believed God when it was difficult sometimes to believe him. And nobody else was really believing in him. And uh, uh, sometimes it's hard to take this way of faith. But again, this way of faith is the way of success. Was Moses a failure by not choosing the riches of Egypt? No. If he would have chose the riches of Egypt, he would have been a failure rather than a success. Look at verse 23. It says, By faith Moses, when he had come to, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because he saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect on the recompense of reward. Who chose right? Moses did. Moses chose right. He chose the way of faith. He chose the way of God. And he became a success. Let's turn back to Mark chapter 7. There's success in uh, avoiding the expectations of others that put upon us. So there's success in trusting in God. There's success in seeking to benefit other people's life. Going about and doing some good. That's a way of success. But also notice here in Mark chapter uh, uh, 7, and I want to look at again back at these verses a little bit here. Verse number 10. Uh, through verse number 19. Success is in following and obeying God and his words. Following God and his words. Verse number 10, it says, For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curses father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If man shall say to his father and mother, It is Korban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions, which you have delivered, and many such things do ye. I'll just stop there. You know, God commanded some things. And the Pharisees didn't want to do these things. And it's really no different today. There are some commands in the Bible, and, and this is what you should do. No command in the Bible concerning Pot washing. No command in the Bible concerning hand washing. But were they hand washing? Were they pot washing? Yes. But were they parent honoring? No. They weren't parent honoring. And again, I'm not going to go into any kind of details. So verse number 10 and verse number 11, they were slipping and sliding out of this obligation to their parents to take care of their parents, to, to honor their parents by taking monies and things like that, and they would say, you know, this is for God. 
And so they wouldn't give it to their parents. It says in verse number 12, and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father and his mother. They set up some kind of crazy system, Korriban, and set up a system where they could avoid following the commandments of God to honor their parents. And so, again, was God pleased with this? Was Jesus pleased with this? Not at all. He said, you made the word of God of none effect by not doing this. Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 29. People, you know, today, sadly, uh, they, they, more and more people are, are throwing away the idea of obeying God as being something that we should do. And uh, we find success in doing But really, that's where success is. It is in obeying the commands of God and following the commands of God. And you'll see that there will be a a reward for this. I want you to see this in a few verses here. Deuteronomy 29, verse number 9. Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. Deuteronomy 29, verse 9. You know what you do these things? You're going to prosper in all that you do. Do them. Do the word of God. You're going to prosper in what you do. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. You want to prosper in what you do? You want to see success in what you do? Then you need to just seek to do what the Bible says. There's nothing, again, that we should be looking to avoid like the Pharisees were trying to avoid. They didn't want to, you know, want to be obligated to take care of their, their parents or to help their parents and that sort of thing. And so they looked for a, a way out and they created a system to get out of this, and they were more concerned about pot keeping than parent honoring. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 5, the Bible says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto thy people shalt thou divide for inheritance in the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them only be strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of law shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written thereof. And then thou shalt make thy ways prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Want good success? Get yourself in the Bible. Get yourself in the Word of God. As the Bible says, meditate upon the words of God and seek to do what the Word of God says and you'll be a success. Let's turn to James chapter 1. Success is not in making a lot of money. Success is not making a big name. Success is in following the words of the Lord. You see what the Bible says. Don't look for some way to skirt around it. Don't look for some way to avoid it. Don't look for some way to, okay, this is okay with me. This, this is, um, you know, fine for us to do. Do what the word of God says. James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, these Pharisees were hypocrites. They set up a, a, a religious system, just like they said religious systems today, and they say, you do these things, and things will turn out well for you. Okay, I'm going to be kind of pointed here. You set up a baptismal system that says this is the way of salvation in a church. You get yourself baptized, you go to heaven. 
baptismal regeneration, baptismal salvation, whatever you want to call it. And they say, this is the way to heaven. And yet, what does the word of God say? You must be born again. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Nothing about this baptism for salvation. And make the word of God of none effect. I mean, there's, the Jews knew the word of God. I'm not saying they didn't. The Jews would at times fast. The Jews would pray. The Jews would sing. The Jews were known for their religious experience. But yet, over and over, the Bible condemns the Jews for being hypocrites. Turn to Ezekiel 33. Even the Pharisees, the Pharisees that followed what they perceived as the law. And again, they did follow, again, a lot of the Ten Commandments. They're not going to say they did. They followed a lot of the Old Testament commandments. Nobody's going to say they did. But they created their own system of commandments that defied the words of God and superseded the words of God. They created their own religious system and in no way is pleasing to the Lord. Ezekiel 33, verse number 31. The Bible says, And they come to, unto thee as the people come, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they do them, uh, but will not do them. For with their mouth they show forth much love, but with their heart it goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them is a very lovely song, is one that hath a pleasant voice, and can play well the instruments, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. You know, hypocritical Christianity is simply knowing maybe to some degree what's right, but never doing it. Pharisaical Christianity is taking, word from the, taking away from what the Word of God says and setting up a system that's different than it. Success is in obeying the Word of God. Let me say this finally, and I'm going to say this quickly. Success is in growth. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter uh, 2. Success in the Bible is in growth. In other words, you know, someone gets saved by grace, and after they get saved by grace, uh, a child of God is going to grow. They're always going to grow. And uh, if there's a new birth, there's going to be growth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they might grow thereby. There's, there's not, you know, something absolutely wrong when someone doesn't want to grow, and there's absolutely something wrong when the baby doesn't want milk. But uh, if we're going to grow, how does the Bible say we're going to grow? It's by the word, the milk of the word, the meat of the word. Strong meat, the Bible mentions, is needed for growth. And Peter says much about this idea of growth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 mentions it. Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. You know, who grew a lot as a believer? Peter did. I believe Peter grew a lot as a Christian. He started out as a rough, tough fisherman, but he became a very noble Christian. And he mentioned some things about growth here. How do you grow? Well, you have to add some things to your faith. You see that in verse number 5 here, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. So you add to your faith, what's first place? First place, virtue. Then knowledge. Then temperance. Then patience. Then godliness. Then brotherly kindness. Then charity. 
That's, that's growth. You should see yourself somewhere in that growth pattern. I see myself in that growth pattern. You know, sometimes you go back in that growth pattern a little bit. And uh, certainly need to shore up that growth pattern. But he mentions this thing of growth here in the Scriptures. Notice also there in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, <clears throat> picking up in verse number 15. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15. And it's an account that the long-suffering of God is salvation, even as our brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, and also in his epistle, speaking unto you those things, of which some are hard things to be understood, which uh, they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do other scripture, under their own description. Ye therefore, brethren, seeing ye have these things before, uh, before beware, lest ye also... Being led away with the heirs of the wicked, fall from your old steadfastness. And then notice this, but, this last verse in this chapter, the last epistle of Paul, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So what does Peter want to see in believers? Growth. That's what, again, I think really success is, is growth. I'm not what I used to be, and I'm hopefully on that series of success, moving forward in growth, moving forward in trusting God, looking to the Lord Jesus in faith. And so I just want to say, as we turn back to our text, and I close here today, uh, Mark chapter 7, you know, it's needful for us not to, you know, take the label of failure, maybe that the world or maybe a religious community might give to us and say, you know what, there's, there's fault in you. There's something wrong with you. Don't uh, take that and take that to heart. Jesus, again, uh, straighten them out on what success is. And again, success is following the words and the commandments of God. In verse number two, it says, And when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault in them. Verse five, Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why walk ye not thy disciples according to the tradition? of the elders, but they eat with one hand on washing hands. And then verse 6, here's Jesus' response. And he answered and said, Well, as Isaiah the prophet prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people draw nigh with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How be in vain you worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men, laying aside the commandments of God. The commandment, sorry, the commandment of God. And so, What's wrong with these folks? They lay aside the commandments of God to keep their traditions. And so let me encourage you to, to, to focus on well-doing. Let me encourage you to seek to trust the Lord. Let me encourage you to obey the word of God. And let me encourage you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have found success. Let's close as we consider the word of God here tonight.